0: Good morning and a very good morning to all our mothers and uh, hopefully uh, this sermon will be really relevant to you but not just the mums as well and hopefully it'll be relevant to everybody and I'd like you to turn to Matthew chapter 1. It's quite a strange reading actually to read for Mother's Day and it might be uh, something that you might think oh, that's a little bit of a difficult boring reading there Andy but bear with me And I want you to note the mothers that Matthew mentions in this opening passage. Uh, In my Bible, they're all in brackets, which will be interesting, but um, we'll just carry on. So Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, this is the New Living Translation, and it says this. This is the record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of King David and of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah. Their mother was Tamar. I want you to remember Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz, his mother was Rahab, remember Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, his mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse, Jesse was the father of King David, David was the father of Solomon. His mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. It's a very interesting passage of the Bible, and uh, maybe in our culture, it doesn't really mean an awful lot. Certainly in that culture, it meant an awful lot in the lineage of Jesus. But actually, in that lineage, there's some very interesting life stories, especially amongst the mothers. And I really want to sort of like home in. On those four mothers mentioned in that little bit of the, the reading that I read, but also another mother that's mentioned a little bit later in that, particular, in that particular passage. So let's look at them. Tamar. Tamar is mentioned in that passage and actually Tamar is mentioned in the Old Testament in Genesis 38. You couldn't make a soap opera about Tamar. What a life story she had. Quite tragic, quite desperate really. Her first husband, he dies and they haven't had a child, so she's childless. So the tradition of the day was that uh, the brother of the guy who died would take on the wife. And so he gets this new wife and he's not particularly interested in having a child with her. And so this angers God and God takes him out. So her second husband dies as well which is very tragic for Tamar. She's then got this reputation of being a lady who finishes off her husbands. And the the father of the house, he doesn't want to give his third son to her because he doesn't want his third son to die. And so this leaves her in a very tragic situation. So tragic that she dresses like a prostitute and propositions, Her father-in-law, like I say, you couldn't write a soap opera about it. He gets her pregnant and she has a son. And really the whole story of Tamar can be summed up with one word really. And that is desperate, pretty desperate. And yet Tamar is here in this lineage of Jesus. We're then introduced to the second mother in the passage, Rahab. Where Tamar, dressed like a prostitute, Rahab was a prostitute. She's known as Rahab the prostitute throughout scripture. She's a professional. In Joshua, where she's mentioned the most, we don't read that she has any children. It's not until Matthew records it here that Boaz was her son. And that's interesting because... You know, everybody's got a history, and for many people, that history then catches up with them. And so Rahab, you could say, has a very dodgy history, where Tamar had a desperate history, Rahab had a very checkered history, a dodgy history. So we know that Boaz came uh, uh, and married Ruth, and Ruth is the next mother in our passage, Ruth's probably the most well-known Old Testament woman in this particular passage anyway. When you look at Ruth, she always seems to come across as a really beautiful person but actually she's got a really tragic life story. Famine kills all the men in her life so she's carrying a lot of pain there. Her husband is killed by the famine, her father-in-law is killed by the famine, her brother-in-law is killed by the famine, and so she flees her land and she comes to, to Israel. She's an outsider, she's a Moabite, she's an immigrant, she doesn't really fit in to the culture or the society of that day, and all that that brings with it going on internally inside inside uh, Ruth. You could call her a minority. Many of us don't really know what it means to be a minority these days. And it's good that people are beginning to talk about that and air that. And we need to be really conscious of how we, how we are with people of, uh, of minority and how we bless them and how we encourage them and how we include them. And... Even though in this particular time, God had given Israel strong instruction to look after minorities, uh, there was ingrained racism in the culture, and it really took its effect. So Ruth, you could say she had minority roots. So Tamar, desperate. Rahab, dodgy history. Ruth, a minority, and all that that brought with it. And then the last mother mentioned in this particular passage, well, in many versions, she's not even described by a name. In the New Living, it calls her Bathsheba, but in many, in many versions, it says just the wife of Uriah. Whether she was willing to sleep with King David, well, is a question that we, we'll never really find out. Maybe she felt she had no choice, but in the story, King David is looking out from his palace and he sees Bathsheba bathing. He's lusting after her and he ends up making his mind up that he's going to deal with her husband. So he puts her husband on the front line of the battlefield. He gets killed and then David sleeps with with Bathsheba. She's a widow. She's sleeping with the guy who's made her a widow. He's now forcing himself upon her. She would probably be known in that society as that woman who led our king astray. So really Bathsheba's life is a life of pain. We know also that the son that she bore really brought her a lot of heartache and a lot of pain there as well. So Bathsheba's life was a life of pain. If you jump to verse 16 of that passage, then Matthew mentions another mother. A mother that we know well in the New Testament, Mary. Up until the visit of the angel Gabriel, well, the best that you could describe Mary as would be faithfully insignificant. She was a faithful, godly woman, and yet she was insignificant. She was from a very insignificant background, a very insignificant village, really. Nobody really knew much about her. Maybe after the visit of the angel, certainly from her husband-to-be's perspective, Joseph, maybe you could describe her as unfaithfully insignificant. You know, Joseph had an awful lot of thinking to do there. He was really in turmoil. And that obviously put a lot of pressure on their relationship. So five women, five mothers... Mentioned by by Matthew, carriers of pain, carriers of insecurity, carriers of a lot of history and not altogether good history. So what's Matthew actually saying? What's Matthew saying through this seemingly pretty boring reading? Well, I believe what Matthew's saying is God can use the desperate. God can use people with what they think is a dodgy history. God can use people from backgrounds that are far different to the one that they find themselves in now. God can use people who are wracked with pain. But God can heal that and help them get through that. God turns people, carrying all this rubbish and stuff that seems to weigh them heavy, into carriers of hope. And that's what a mother is. A mother is someone who's carried something, carried a baby. And you can be carriers of hope today. I want to encourage all our mothers of Derby City Church, you are carriers of hope. Just like all these women in this particular passage, they prepared the way for Jesus, you're preparing the way for Jesus You're carriers of hope with the people who you know, whether they be mothers, fathers, children, your neighbors, your colleagues, you can be carriers of that hope. But this is a message not just for mothers. Maybe you personally identify with the labels of desperate, dodgy history, minority, pain. All those things may be something that you feel restrict you from knowing God's fullness in your life, God's joy in your life, maybe even knowing God as your personal savior. Well, God wants to give you hope. God sent Jesus into the world for every single person, no matter their state, no matter their background, no matter how they feel, no matter what they've been through, God wants to give you hope. So let me encourage you this morning, reach out to him. If you don't know him yet, Just pray, just pray. God hears faltering prayers and you can invite Jesus into your life right now. And if you're a mother, God bless you. Happy Mother's Day.